We recently launched Liberation Martial Arts Online for trainers, collectives, and individuals that were looking for a program to follow that was chud-free or perhaps one that came directly from us. Thanks to Jonathan Johnson for supporting this show. If you would like to sign up for Liberation Martial Arts Online or you just want to increase your financial support for the Southpaw Project, you can find special tiers on our Patreon. If you'd like to listen to all of our shows without any breaks or interruptions, you can find uncut versions of our shows also on Patreon. This is Sam. And this is Fight Study. This episode was produced by S.H., M. Shelton, and New Guy. This is another solo edition of Fight Study, as everyone is busy with the long weekend, and you got the nationwide heat wave, so I didn't want to have guests trying to record in this heat, but there were some good fights from over the weekend I wanted to talk about. First, let's talk about Buakau Banchemek's bare-knuckle debut during BKFC Thailand 3 against another Muay Thai and kickboxing specialist in Urkan Verrill. Bwakao won the fight by first-round TKO. The first noticeable thing about this short fight was Bwakao's stance. He had a longer stance than usual, and his feet positioning was what I call DL stance, where your front foot points forward and your rear foot is perpendicular to your front foot, making an L. The other noticeable thing was Bwakao's guard. Rather than his wrists pointing out, his wrists were facing in, and his hands were open and high. These aren't adjustments he made because he was boxing. These are adjustments he made because there were no gloves, and it's now that much easier for you to get punched to the head. Without worrying about kicks, it made sense to have a longer stance because he'll have to rely more on upper body movement to avoid punches. He also needed his longer stance to have his legs underneath him to throw more power into his punches and to cut off his opponent. The longer stance also increases his reach, which is important when you don't have kicks. In a shorter stance, you lose upper body mobility and power in your punches, but what you get in return is more versatility with your legs. You also lose some ability to corner your opponent in a shorter stance but in return, you have a better ability to clinch. The long guard makes less sense if you can't kick and there are no gloves. It's all a trade-off. But if there's no more benefit to having a shorter stance, why keep it? Tang made the same adjustments in this mixed rules fight against Demetrius Johnson. So actual Muay Thai specialists from Thailand understand you have to make these adjustments when the rules and gloves change. But Westerners with a Muay Thai fetish don't always seem to understand this when they get into MMA. Despite what you may have heard, when there are smaller gloves to no gloves, people are more likely to punch to the head because now punches to the head are that much easier to land. It's easier to rock someone and it's easier to cut someone. Punching to the head became that much more effective. So why wouldn't people punch to the head? It wouldn't make sense not to. This is why Buakao went all in on defending his head, 
But what is the signature attack in Muay Thai? A left body kick. What happens when you can't throw a left body kick? You throw a left hook to the body. Bakao, with his longer stance, pressed Veril into the ropes. When Veril tried to escape to his right, which I constantly point out is the tendency for orthodox fighters, he circled into Bakao's left hook. That knocked the wind out of Veril. With Veril immobilized, Bakao finished with uppercuts to the body. With the longer stance, Bakao had a longer reach with his punches than Veril expected. This is why whether small gloves or no gloves, there's always a place for body shots because people will go all in on defending their head, leaving their body exposed. Now let's talk about UFC Fight Night, Gone versus Tuivasa. In the main event, Cyril Gone defeated Tai Tuivasa by third round TKO. Gone is a switch stance fighter, but in this fight, Gone started out orthodox, then switched early to southpaw and stayed in that stance the entirety of the fight. Gone is versatile and opportunistic, and if Gone needed to, he would have begun to switch back and forth between stances. But in this fight, I think Gone found no reason to switch. He had a clear advantage from Southpaw. Tuivasa had a hard time getting into the pocket against the Southpaw. In fact, throughout the fight, it didn't seem like he was sure how he should fight a Southpaw other than throwing haymakers. With Gon standing bladed and in the opposite stance, very little of Gon's body was exposed. What could still get through were the right body kick and the lead leg kick, but Tuivasa showed he is not comfortable with kicking or being kicked. This made Tuivasa a predictable headhunter. Tuivasa's habit of pulling up his pants only made him that much more predictable. Tuivasa was trying to use feints to get in on Gon, but Gon didn't respect them because Tuivasa was too far away to land them anyway. And as far as feints with his legs, Gon knew Tuivasa wasn't a comfortable kicker. So from that distance, what did Gon have to worry about? The only kick Tuivasa had was his right low kick. But since Gon is standing southpaw, it'll automatically get checked. In round two and a few other times throughout the fight, Tuivasa would temporarily switch to southpaw to try and get flush with Gon, but found his defense was even worse from this stance. Tuivasa did throw a hard leg kick to Gon's lead leg, which ended up hitting Gon's knee. Tuivasa immediately hobbled and winced in pain. There weren't going to be that many more right leg kicks after that. The most important kick, in my opinion, is the teep. This is actually the first offensive move I teach in the Liberation Martial Arts online curriculum. I compare it to the jab. And just like the jab, there are so many variations. And that's why the best feature of Gon's fighting style is his complex teep game. Gon teeps from both sides. He mixes it up with front kick variations, the traditional push teep, inverted lead roundhouse kicks, and crested front kicks with the lead leg. Even when you think you're not in an angle to get hit by a teep, Gon will still teep you. However, there was a moment in round two where Gon got sloppy. Gon hit Tuivasa with a right hook and held on to the back of Tuivasa's head to steer him. But when Gon leaned away from Tuivasa's left hook, he brought his feet together and got caught with a right straight. This was more sloppiness on Gon's part 
than Tuivasa setting up a trap. In fact, Gom pushed Tuivasa into the right angle to land his right straight. Bringing your feet together and getting knocked down is a pattern you'll see over and over. We saw it not too long ago with RDA against Rafael Faziv. But Gon's knockdown looked a lot worse than it was because Gon had no balance. He wasn't out, which is why he recovered so quickly. But on top of Tuivasa messing with his pants, he kept slipping to his right and ducking and rolling. This might be fine against an orthodox puncher, but it's an exploitable habit against a southpaw kicker, which is to say Tuivasa has a hard time with southpaws. Yet these habits are why Tuivasa went from hammering Gon on the ground to Gon landing consecutive body kicks on him. Tuivasa's hands were out of position and he was dipping into the body kicks. This dipping and rolling will become a bigger problem later in the fight. Gon being a southpaw and constantly circling forced Tuivasa to constantly reset his feet and reset in general. I talked about the problems of the reset when I talked about Nango Gayang Hadao versus Liam Harrison, where Harrison kept resetting his feet to mentally reset, only to get kicked. Tuivasa has a habit where he touches his pants whenever he resets. It's a tick. Dustin Poirier does the same thing with his pants and hair. Kelvin Gastelum does it by waving his arms in the air. Dominic Cruz does it by hopping in place and pumping his shoulders. In this moment, you're vulnerable and predictable. Tuivasa, like Daniel Cormier, also showed an inability to defend body shots. Instead, they both rely on pressure as their main form of defense. But where DC had takedowns to compensate and make his opponents go on the defensive, Tuivasa had nothing other than toughness. Being the shorter fighter means you're closer to your opponent's legs. If you're the shorter striker with no takedowns, if all other things are equal, you're at a disadvantage. If you're hitting me and I can't hit you, how can I get you to stop hitting me? I can take you down. Tuivasa's commitment to his style is his strength and disadvantage. He's built like a wrestler who only punches and won't wrestle. When Tuivasa slowed down, Gon stopped circling and went on the attack. In a linear fight against a slower opponent, Gon had the reach and kicking advantage. I can hit you, but you can't hit me, and you no longer have the legs to rush in. In round three, Tuivasa tried to throw a right body kick, but ended up losing his balance and running onto the cage. This is why he doesn't kick. Tuivasa is known as a striker, but many aspects of his striking game haven't been developed. He seems like a fighter who only trains what is comfortable. This was a fight where he could have and should have shown other aspects of his game, but he showed he didn't have them. By round three, Gon was targeting the body and Tuivasa had no answers other than to drop his hands, which is when Gon's left high kick came through. Tuivasa tried to rally only to eat a front kick to the face. Tuivasa is very good in a certain type of fight fighting another orthodox slugger with no wrestling. That's not Gon. It got to the point where Gon was throwing front kicks from both sides and Tuivasa was just eating them. He didn't have the footwork to back away from them. He didn't parry. He didn't catch. He didn't lean back. He didn't block. He just ate them.
A desperate Tuivasa mustered up the energy to rush in with punches, but unlike before, where Gon leaned back, this time Gon pivoted and hit Tuivasa with a right check hook. Tuivasa was hurt. And when Tuivasa is hurt, he bends over and rolls. Gon hit him with an uppercut to finally drop Tuivasa. Then a hammer fist on the ground followed, and the referee has seen enough. A note to our loyal listeners. If you love the Southpaw Project, please support us and help us get paid for our labor by financially supporting us on Patreon. This will give you access to exclusive bonus content, like early releases of Southpaw Deep Space Nine, break-free versions of our shows without interruptions, like you're hearing now, Liberation Martial Arts Online, as well as our private chat group on Discord. You can also make one-time donations at Ko-Fi, or show your Southpaw solidarity by wearing our swag. You can find all pertinent links at southpawpod.com. Now let's talk about Robert Whitaker's one-sided decision victory over Marvin Vittori. Vittori is a tough out for anyone, but Whitaker is pound for pound, one of the best fighters in MMA. Whitaker, unlike Tuivasa, does even better against Southpaws because it opens up his lead sidekick, right straight, and right high kick. Whitaker fights a bit like Valentina Shevchenko, only more aggressive. He drops back and waits for you to chase, then he hits you first. He gives you a chance to throw, then he either hits you again, clinches, or hooks and escapes. Rafael Cordero is such an experienced coach because he recognized this right away. He told Vittori he had to jab first because once you let Whitaker go first, he'll hit you twice before he escapes. Cordero was right. The problem wasn't the coaching. The problem wasn't even Vittori because Vittori is very good. The problem was Whitaker. In round two, Vittori listened to his corner and tried to do what Whitaker was doing, which was to drop back and allow Whitaker to come to him to get off first. The problem was whenever Whitaker was coming forward, he would jam Vittori's offense before he could get anything off. When Vittori was loading up his offense, Whitaker hit him. Whitaker knew every time Vittori was going to attack. He just watched his shoulders. There's a way Vittori bounces his shoulders that gives away when he's going to attack. When it looks like Vittori's not at a club anymore, he's going to hit you. Once Whitaker had Vittori's timing, which really means knowing Vittori's tells, he had Vittori. Because with Vittori, you don't have to worry about variety. You just have to worry about punches to the head. And if that's all you need to worry about, then all you need to know is when. Once you know that, dodge and intercept. This was when Whitaker's head kicks began to come through. He hit him when he wasn't ready. Something I talk about a lot in the liberation martial arts curriculum is the decision tree. It's the roadmap for a fighter. It's all the moves they'll use in a fight. Whitaker's decision tree is quite simple. Jabs, right straight, left hook, right high kick, blast double. But the simplicity of his decision tree frees him up to dictate the when and how. There are only so many things a person can do in a fight because they have four limbs, generally four directions they can go, and they can either attack or not attack. Do you need five ways to address all these decisions your opponent can make, or do you need just one or two 
at the right times. Some fighters say they don't care what you do. They only think about what they will do. Whitaker is a fighter who doesn't worry at all about what he's going to do because he already knows. He's going to look at what you're doing, then counter you. It's much easier to win a poker when you can see everyone's cards, not just your own. Vittori's lack of variety made Whitaker unhittable because, unlike Tuivasa against Gon, Whitaker can slip, duck, and roll without having to worry about shots coming from below. It's all going to be headshots flying over his head. A hard right head kick came through in round three for Whitaker because Vittori flares his elbows before he throws a punch. So Whitaker caught him as he was loading up with his arms out of position. Vittori's shoulders are way too tense. Some people believe your shoulders should be shrugged and tense, making your punches slow and easy to see. It also hurts your neck and tires your shoulders, which defeats the purpose of defense. I talked about the importance of relaxed shoulders in a tape study for liberation martial arts. That's Whitaker. His shoulders are so relaxed, which makes it harder to know when he's throwing a punch. It also means he doesn't need much space to generate power. Vittori then got cracked again with a head kick when he dropped his head to avoid the straight, like how Leon Edwards caught Kamaru Usman. What kept Vittori in the fight was his chin and Whitaker being aware of his own chin. Whitaker doesn't have a bad chin, but he also doesn't have an iron chin. And middleweight is a division that's so physical, it really helps to have an iron chin. When Whitaker finally went for the blast double, Vittori had no idea what was coming and just shelled up. This is why the normally hard-to-take-down Vittori got taken down so easily. In the last 10 seconds, Whitaker lands his best punch, and I don't know how Vittori stays standing. But he caught him with a left hook as Vittori was flaring his elbows to throw straight punches. His defense was completely out of position. He didn't see the punch coming. Whitaker landed clean on his chin, but Vittori stayed standing. Vittori doesn't lose often, but this was one of the rare times even Vittori knew he lost. It was lopsided, even more so than Vittori's loss to Adesanya. What would make Vittori better would be the same thing that would make Whitaker better. Body shots. It's MMA with MMA gloves. Everyone's going to throw to the head and everyone's going to expect punches to the head. That leaves the body to be exploited, as Boakow showed in his bare-knuckle fight. But for Whitaker, it doesn't just have to be punches to the body. It could also be body kicks. He has some of the best kicks at middleweight, then use them to hit to the body. Also, he's at a height disadvantage in nearly every fight. That means he's closer to the body. He's begun to mix in takedowns, because he's close to the legs. But how about some punches to the body? But that's all I wanted to say about these fights. If you like this episode, and you like what we do, support us on Patreon. We also have the Liberation Martial Arts Program, if you want to train with us from wherever you are. There's lots of techniques, exercises, theory, pedagogy, and even political theory, believe it or not. You can also find Liberation Martial Arts online on our Patreon. You can find Southpaw merch at our store. You can find all pertinent links on the show notes. With all that said, thanks for listening.